Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Brendan Escott and Cam Moon in the final half hour of Oilers Now this week. And we've got some great news from our friends at Brent Ridge Ford. Just received the largest allocation of trucks and SUVs that they've had in years. Most of the units scheduled to be built in August for fall delivery. And with interest rates as low as 0.99%, now is the time to order your F-150 or SUV. If you want to be treated fairly at every level of vehicle ownership, call Rich, Johnny, Uncle Milt, 780-352-6048. Brent Ridge Ford, your Ford truck authority on the Auto Mile in Wetaska. And they keep Cam Moon riding in style. Mooner beat me to the station today, and I, I knew because I rolled up, and his beautiful <laughs> ride was sitting right That's there right. waiting for me. Oh, man. I was out late, though, and not because I was having any sort of fun. It was because I was recapping the disaster that unfolded at Commonwealth Stadium for a 20th consecutive time. But we've 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 said enough about that already. We're wanna, trying to get past it. I, yeah. I'm going to go to the West Coast. I'll stop picking at the wounds. We're going to the West Coast, and we're going to connect with Brendan Batchelor, who calls Canucks games on Sportsnet 650, a friend of Cam Moon, a friend of the show. Brendan, I love your name, man. I appreciate you jumping on on Oilers now this <laughs> afternoon. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me. Excellent. And another thing that I love about you as I search your Twitter feed is that you're a fellow Manchester United fan, Andre Onana. You excited? Yeah, I'm, I definitely wasn't expecting to get asked about that off the top. On I this figured day, as much, but here we are. A hundred percent. I'm very excited that uh, they now have a, a ball-playing keeper that uh, can help them build out from the back. So we'll see if they can finally bring in a, a number nine, a striker that they really need. But, uh, you know, with the with the addition of Mason Mount and now Andre Onana, things are trending in the right direction. Very, very excited. Had to get your thoughts on that. Uh, we were talking goaltending a little bit here, Brendan, and it's funny because playing the puck is one of the weaker parts of Stuart Skinner's games, I, I, I might suggest. So I'll, I'll tie that in for our, our hockey fans listening here. But, of course, you're covering the Canucks, uh, and, and we're looking at a, a, a sheet right now with a full roster, negative projected cap space, and a lot of uncertainty. So can you sort of just paint the picture of the Canucks offseason maybe so far and, and what's yet to come ahead of training camp? Yeah, uh, I mean, the, the negative projected cap space is because they will likely be in LTIR uh, for the entirety of the season, as they have been uh, with regularity of late. Tucker Pullman has had concussion issues, so he's expected to, you know, or not expected to feature for the Canucks going forward. Uh, Tanner Pearson's recovering from a hand injury, and, you know, there, there's been some positive noises about him maybe being ready for training camp in the last few weeks but we'll have to wait and see how that plays out because there was a point where you know there, there were conversations about maybe a, a grievance and uh and the player not being able to play again so uh i'll believe that he's back on the ice with the team when i see it i guess is how i, I would put that conversation in terms of their off season to this point it's really been about remodeling their blue line they bought out oliver ekman larson so um you know they they moved some of that money on they get some cap space in the short term in the long term there's going to be some some penalties to that uh, as we see with big buyouts and if i'm not mistaken ekman larson is the biggest single buyout that we've seen that wasn't a compliance buyout so um, that's something that's going to affect the organization for years to come but in the short term 
They buy out Ekman Larson, they gain a bit of flexibility, and they bring in Ian Cole and Carson Soucy uh, as defensemen to try and help round out their top six and, and maybe give them a bit more of a formidable top four while also having guys that can kill penalties because Canucks' penalty kill has been dreadful over the last couple of years. So those are going to be the biggest questions for this team going into training camp is have they improved the blue line? If so, by how much? And can their forwards continue to produce at the tremendous rate they did offensively last year um, if their blue line is, is improved so that maybe they can take a step in the right direction? Uh, you mentioned Ian Cole. I just saw as an aside, Brendan, that uh, he he elected uh, he was originally going to wear his his usual number twenty eight, and is now going to wear number eighty two. Maybe you can quickly shed light as to why that is. Yeah, uh, twenty eight was worn by the late Luke Bourdon, who of course passed away uh, at a very young age uh, from a motorcycle accident. And you know, he was a people will remember he was a Canadian World Junior defenseman, an up and comer within the Canucks organization, and he wore number twenty eight. So it's not something that's ever been formally retired by the organization, but it's one of those sort of things where um, you know many fans would not like to see that number worn in honor of Luke Bourdon. So when they announced the Cole was going to wear 28. There was a bit of blowback in the market, and, and Ian Cole, I think, did the right thing and came out with a statement saying, I didn't realize that this was the situation. 28 is the number I've always worn, so I just asked to wear that number. And out of honor or, or to pay tribute to Luke Bourdon and to honor his memory, he's not going to wear 28, and he's going to switch it to 82 instead. Well, heads-up move by Ian Cole, absolutely. Carson Soucy is from just down the road from here. He's uh, from Irma, and he played just down the road from you in Seattle, so you saw him a fair bit. Uh, What do you expect that he will bring to the Canucks blue line? Uh, A bit more tenacity, I think. You know, one of the things that the Canucks in general have not had as a hallmark of their game in recent years is a team that's hard to play against. And not just with Susie, but with Cole as well. They're both defensemen that led their respective teams in penalty minutes last year. So they'll take their pound of flesh from opponents. They're also guys that can kill penalties. And as I said, the Canucks have had a dreadful penalty kill the last two years. It was, you know, on pace to be historically bad for most of last year. And they cleaned things up a little bit in the late portion of the season when Rick Tockett came in. So you want a little bit of that from Susie. You know, to be honest, I think Carson Susie is maybe the most interesting Canuck going into training camp because with the contract they've given him and the term they've given him, the expectation is for him to come in and be a top four defenseman on this roster, which is something he's never really been asked to do at the NHL level in Seattle. He was a five, six kind of slotting in, in that role. And so, you know, can he take advantage of the increased opportunity and help this hockey club turn in the right direction? Or is it too much to ask of him that he be one of your top four defensemen? And, it's entirely possible that Carson Soucy could see himself playing on a pairing with Quinn Hughes to begin the season because Soucy can play the right side even though he's a left shot. Same goes for Ian Cole. Canucks, in terms of actual right shot defensemen, Philip Hironic was someone they brought in for the Red Wings uh, in a trade before the deadline last year, but I don't think they want to play Hughes and Hironic together to try and round out their top four a bit. So in all likelihood, Hughes will be playing with a left-shot defenseman who plays the right side, and it could very well be Carson Soucy, and if it is, then he'll play an incredibly important role for the Canucks this year, and how he does in that role could 
you know, be part of the difference between whether this team can find themselves back in the playoff conversation in the Pacific Division and the Western Conference or not. Chatting with Brendan Batchelor, the voice of the Vancouver Canucks on Sportsnet 650 out on the West Coast. Um, talk about the Patrick Alvin's stamp on this team so far. We've got everything from the buyout of OEL, as you mentioned in the first place, that heroic trade, which puzzled many, but it brings a good player to Vancouver. Um, and then you've got the contract commitment to um, Andre Kuzmenko as well. What do you make of the body of work here and the direction that Alvin is, is massaging this team into? Yeah, I mean, it's a mixed bag because there have been some moves that, that I like. I think the fact that they didn't go out in free agency and give big money or big term to someone, you know, to try and chase a playoff spot in the short term was a smart decision. And it's something that we saw this organization do a lot under Jim Benning's tenure. And, you know, a lot of the trouble they're in cap wise is because Jim Benning made some of those moves, the Ekman Larson move top of that list where they, you know, had to, take the decision to buy him out um i think alvin has improved the team on the ice you know i think the kuzmenko signing was a coup in the sense that he came in and had such a tremendous first year in the nhl we'll see if he could follow that up in his sophomore campaign this year but at the same time he signed jt miller to a long-term extension that many people in the fan base think might not have been the right decision um and you know it is still going to be difficult for them cap wise he brought in Ilya mikhaev as well on a contract that you know we've yet to see mikhaev perform at 100 percent because he hurt his knee pretty badly in preseason last year and played a good chunk of the season through it before uh having surgery and, and ending his season prematurely last season so there are some big cap commitments there there's not a lot of flexibility. They've got a glut of wingers that they haven't been able to move off of because there isn't really a market for them in the flat cap. So there's still plenty of work for Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford to do. But I think the mandate for them from ownership coming in was to get this team turned around and get them into the playoffs as soon as possible. I think they've improved the team on the ice. Is it enough for them to be a playoff team this season in the Pacific Division with some of the teams that they're going to have to go up against? I'm not entirely convinced of that, so we'll have to wait and see. But, uh, you know, I, if you're giving it a letter grade for Patrick Alvin, I don't know, like a C-plus, B-minus somewhere in there where, you know, he's made some changes to the hockey club. He's clearly put his own stamp on this team, especially the blue line. Uh, with the defensemen they have in-house right now, Quinn Hughes is going to be the only defenseman that played on the opening night of the season against the Oilers last year that is projected to play on the opening night of the season this coming season. So they are making changes, whether they're the right moves and whether they're enough to get this team turned around. That's going to be the big question going forward. And then, of course, you have to mention the hiring of Rick Tockett as head coach and uh, whether that continues to yield some of the dividends that we saw late in the season when the team turned things around to a certain extent albeit in mean nothing games because they were out of the race so early it has looked like a good fit though with with rick talkett your thoughts yeah i agree i think you know one of the the two buzzwords in this market that uh the organization uses and and critics of the organization kind of use sarcastically you know accountability is the big one first of all that's that's the big thing that talk it brought in and structure is the other one structure and accountability which is what they felt they didn't have under bruce boudreau and certainly you can criticize the way the organization handled boudreau's exit 
but there wasn't a lot of structure in the way they played, and there wasn't a lot of accountability. Rick Tockett came in from day one, and those have been his two hallmarks. He talked endlessly last season, almost every time we spoke with him in the media about guys need to be in better shape, this guy has to have a big summer, that guy has to have a big summer. We want to make sure that our European players stay close to home so they can get work done and and be ready for training camp. We want all our veterans to come back to Vancouver earlier than they normally would so they can skate with each other weeks in advance of training camp. These are the kind of things that he's asking of his players, and because of the mandate the organization has given him, you know, he, he'll he get that buy-in from these guys because, you know, last season, for example, Bruce Boudreaux could say, yeah, I want you guys to, to come back and be ready for training camp, but when you know he's on an expiring contract and members of the organization have been critical of his coaching style publicly as a player, you're probably like, well, this guy's not going to be here for very long anyway. Uh, Rick Tockett is, is here to stay. If the Canucks miss the playoffs this year, Rick Tockett will still be the head coach of this team next season. He's the hand-picked head coach of the general manager and the president, Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford, respectively. So um, that accountability is important. And then the structure he got them playing with. This was a team that you didn't know what they were trying to do in their defensive zone for a large portion of last season. And we saw Tockett come in, and one of his very first practices was like a back-to-basics kind of practice where you're playing in the defensive zone, There's a pass that's played. Everybody moves. The coach blows the whistle, stops things, and looks to make sure everybody's in the right spot. Like, it was literally like something I've seen out of a peewee or a bantam practice, but that's how lost this group was in terms of their lack of defensive structure. So he brought some of that structure back. Now that they have that, they need to build off of it. So it's not good enough to just be structured in your own zone. Now you have to be able to transition the puck, create offense as a result, be a team that can be a threat off the rush and not get hemmed in repeatedly in your own zone, which is what we've seen over the past few years, regardless who is coaching the team for this Vancouver Canucks group. So he set the groundwork in place, but it's going to be interesting starting the year. There's going to be a lot of pressure on this team to begin the season because last year they lost seven games in a row off the hop and were basically out of the playoff race before they could even be in it. Um, they've got a heavy road schedule early in the season this year as well. So Tockett, who you know wasn't expected to do much in terms of results last year, is going to come in with a lot of pressure and a lot of expectation to get results right away with this group. I guess we'll have to wait and see whether he's got the buy-in, whether he's got these guys conditioned to the level that he hopes so that they can hit the ground running and get ahead of the eight ball rather than chase it like they've done for the last number of years. Yeah, Brendan Batchelor is the voice of Canucks hockey on Sportsnet 650. And, and that's it's an interesting way of summarizing, I think, what I was just going to ask. is it, it seemed like last year there, just right right from the top, there was so many different hands in the cookie jar, uh, leadership-wise in the front office, and then everything from Bo Horvat and that looming trade of the captain. It, it just, and Demko's injury as well. Like the, the Canucks were, were battling a lot of adversity in a lot of different areas last year. I wonder, heading into this season with more stability if there's just kind of a sense of maybe relief isn't the right word but uh, what the marketplace may be like with some some more clear direction I guess with this group versus heading into last year yeah uh, you know the number of times that the Canucks were like the lead story in the National Hockey League 
for the wrong reasons last year was was troubling and i'm sure it was a distraction for the players you know it was something that we in the media was like oh no not again we're having to talk about this because you know you know this is going wrong for them or they've got this injury or you know there's all this speculation around the future of the head coach but he doesn't actually get let go for weeks and when he finally does let go everybody knows he's getting let go the day before he gets let go including him like one of the most surreal things i've ever covered in this industry was the post-game press conference after boudreaux's last game as the head coach of the canucks where nobody officially knew that he was going to be fired and yet everybody knew he was going to be fired including him uh so they, they made headlines around the league for all the wrong reasons last year the hope now will be they got their head coach they're aligned organizationally, and they can come into this season without all of that noise, without all of that distraction, without being a headline story around the league for the wrong reasons. And within the market, I think there's always a lot of pressure on this team, regardless of, of whether you know they're, they're a headline story across the league. So, you know, the, the fans are going to hold this team accountable and are going to expect a lot from them, but you know, from from the perspective of covering this team and from the perspective of Canuck fans, right? You don't want to be a laughing stock around the league for the way your organization is operating. Hopefully it's a much quieter year on that front, and then the guys in the dressing room can focus more on what they have to do on the ice, and as a result, I'm sure many Canuck fans are hoping they have a much more successful season. Batch, that was the weirdest game, that last game of... of Wasn't it? Bruce Booter, yes. I'll I'll remember that for my entire career. I've never (laughs) covered anything like it. I bet. (laughs) How important, and I'm sure it is, we've talked goaltending a bunch here today, and I do like talking goaltending, but the importance of having a a healthy Thatcher Demko this year. It's crucial. Uh, The Canucks will go nowhere if not for Thatcher Demko being healthy and being on the top of his game and that really was a big factor not the only factor of course because as i talked about there were plenty of other stories around this team last year but demko had a minor procedure in the off season came into the year he wasn't a hundred percent or you know uh, that's what i believe anyway because we saw a goaltender that looked like a shadow of thatcher demko in the first half of the year then he goes down with the injury this is a ton of time and, you know, by the time he was back, this team was well out of the playoff race anyway. And the goaltenders that had to fill in, Spencer Martin and Colin Delia, neither experienced NHL puck stoppers were put in a situation to fail. And, you know, with one of the worst defensive teams in the league in front of them, there's no way that they were going to have success, and neither of them did. So now you look at the goaltending position this year. You hope that Demko is healthy, ready to go, and that's not an issue. Um, but at the same time, you're, you're kind of worried about the backup position if he does go down again because Spencer Martin's coming back. At this point, the expectation is that he will be the NHL backup goaltender. And to be honest, if that is all he's asked to do, I think he can do a good job of that. If you can pick your starts for him, if he's not playing more than 20 games, if you're not putting him in high-pressure scenarios or having to play him for extended stretches, I think that's where he can come in and still help your team. And we saw a couple of seasons ago that in limited sample size, Spencer Martin could do that. But if Demko goes down, they're in trouble. Then they've got Arthur Silovs, who's a young goaltender who just had a tremendous world championships for Latvia. Uh, he's kind of the, the next goaltender 
to be for the Canucks. So he'll come in and compete at training camp for the backup job, but I think they'll want him to get a lot of games. So it wouldn't surprise me if we see him play at Abbotsford and maybe they get him up to the NHL level to get some starts throughout the season. Uh, and they've got a, a Finnish goaltender, Nikita Tolopilo, that they brought over, um, or excuse me, Russian goaltender, I believe, off the top of my head, that uh, played in the second division in Sweden last year and was you know, the best uh, best goaltender in the Alsvenskan last season and a very big goaltender. So they uh, they have high hopes for him as well, although he's a, a further-in-the-distance kind of project. He's not someone that's going to be playing in the NHL in the short term. But all of this is to say they need Thatcher Demko to be healthy. They need him to be on top of his game because even if they're not as bad defensively as they were last year, they're not going to be a top-end defensive team with the personnel that they have, so they're going to have to rely on their goaltender on some nights, and Demko's going to have to deliver for them. That's great stuff, Brendan. Thanks so much for joining Cam and I on short notice this afternoon, okay? No problem. Anytime, guys. Have a good one. All right. Brendan Batchelor, the voice of the Vancouver Canucks on Sportsnet 650. Royal Pizzas, pizza, pasta, so much more. Get a free two-liter Coke with a purchase of $35 or more online or on the Royal Pizza app. You can visit royalpizza.ca. We're back in a moment here on Oilers Now to wrap the show. Busy, busy show today on Oilers Now. We wrap it up with this day on Oilers history for our friends at New West Travel, sending or serving travelers rather. They're sending them everywhere since 1979. Book your vacation today at newwesttravel.com. On this day in 1995, legendary Oilers goaltender Grant Fear signing as a free agent with the St. Louis Blues. The four-time Stanley Cup champion with stops in Toronto, Buffalo, and Los Angeles before signing with the Blues, where he'd spent four seasons from 1995 to 1999. The weirdest image I have in my head of Grant Fear is him in the 2000 season as a member of the Calgary Flames. That's a bizarre one. Just felt wrong. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wasn't a fan <laughs> at all. Not normal to look at. Uh, I'll tell you what, we've got a little abnormality coming up uh, this evening on Inside Sports. It's not Reed Wilkins, it's Dave Campbell, guest hosting once again. You will hear Dave's deep dive into the 0-6 Edmonton Elks. Oh boy, oh. what a run it's been. And you'll hear from Edmonton Stingers general manager Steve Sir. Up next, it is a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn, followed by Rob Breckenridge from 2 to 3. Chelsea on Ched with Chelsea Bird at 3 o'clock. For Cam Moon, it's Brendan Escott here. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for the calls and the texts. We'll do it all again on Monday. Oh yeah, we're back. We're back all next week. Hope you'll tune in. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.